Come on and spend time with Joe's people. Just slacking near the old cathedral. I'm so glad I'm one of Joe's people. And we'll have a lot of laughs. Get closer to the Lord. Just chill out now with Joe's people. Ladies and gentlemen of the worldwide interwebs. Good evening and welcome to Joe's People. It's a Catholic podcast. I know, I know, but it's not totally lame. Tonight on the show, Joe laughs it up with his co-host, Sam Higgins. They talk about Sam's reproducing, congratulations, Sam, and about Catholic families being a building block of the church. Then Joe interviews Octavia, his friend. They talk about Christmas parties, Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, and Cleaning Up Your Room. And now, the man who makes me a better Catholic. Wait a minute. Joe, weren't you the one who told the Vatican the Pachamama statue would be a great PR move? Hey, stick to the script. What a sanity thought. Okay, okay. And now, the man who makes me a better Catholic, Mr. Joe Geisler. All right, well, thanks for that intro. So... Uh, we're back with another podcast. We've had a short hiatus. Uh, just uh, maybe two years or so. Just know. two years. Something like that. It was uh, very brief. I want to say it was in 2017 sometime. So I don't think anybody uh, remembers anymore. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fine. Uh, yeah. You know, between two ferns, he goes away for a year or two, and he comes back. That's true. So, uh, but I think they can get away with it, Joe. You, you got to be careful, man. You might, yeah. You might you might lose people. Yeah. You know, it's uh, we we have uh. We got like one or two listeners, I think. So, and, and my trolls, I know they count. So that's true. But, trolls are people too. Yeah, they mostly are. And then, um, yeah, and I listen occasionally when I'm editing. So, but yeah, so um, now we're back. Uh, I had a couple things to talk about. Uh, this is sort of like the uh, um, on Seinfeld, the airing of grievances. And I was thinking about. Uh, uh, oh yeah. So wait. So since then, since our last. Uh, podcast let's see you were married actually at our last podcast yes and then um yep. now you've you've reproduced uh, now twice yeah t- so t- twice yes you've executed that's one of the one way to put it one of the fundamental functions of life is to reproduce yeah, yes so that's, yeah that's um, one way to put it but yeah. yes we have two adorable little sons they're sweet very cute samuel and philip they're super fun and yeah so that brings me to uh, uh oh yeah so yeah they're uh i can attest yeah uh uh well philip's still in the womb though so, no, he's born. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah born. No, he's born. He's oh, I forgot. Yeah, he's I, out. I lost track. Yeah. He broke. He broke out. No, that's okay. It was, that's it was, right. It was yeah. just recent. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I you, must have missed that. You look at both both yeah. big boys, really big boys. Yeah. Um, for for those that know such things, one was eleven pounds. The first was eleven pounds two ounces, uh-huh. which will make all your female listeners shriek somewhere out there. I hear them. And uh, Philip was the small one at only nine pounds thirteen ounces, which Dang. is actually also big. No, it has a. Even as a dude, I, I know that eleven pounds is like a large baby. Yeah, so that yeah, very large, so, but yeah. yeah, even even little Philip. No, I'm growing my own little football team. Should Sweet. be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now, uh, yeah. So I, I was going to tell you about uh, um, Catholic families that uh, um, I feel you know implement some of the um, the features that a uh, Christian should implement or, or practices that uh, we should we should practice. You know, and, and one of them is uh, um, being a building block of community and church. And, um, like some, you know, some, some of my friends, I never see them after they reproduce or after they get married. And, um, uh, it, it brings up because, uh, we're going to talk, talk Tavia 
And her family is uh, very much community builders, especially in the way they, they threw their parties. And um, uh, one of the things they do is at Christmas, and I'll talk with Octavio about this, but at Christmas they invite like a whole bunch of people over. Um, they have a rather large house, so they can fill, they, they can uh, they can have a large party. But um, and then they uh, one of the one of the pillars of the party is they have uh, um, uh, they'll do they'll sing uh, Christmas carols. They got a guy that plays the piano, and then everybody uh, everybody very, sings carols. Very, very Jimmy Stewart esque. It's very Jimmy Stewart esque and uh, Stewart esque, and um, yeah, it definitely builds community. The thing is, they do it usually something like two days before Christmas. When most people are like, oh yeah, whatever, I'll be out of town. I'm not going to plan, or they don't they don't plan Christmas parties that close because they figure, oh, somebody's got other, uh, you know, people have other plans, and they figure, well, great, you might have other plans, but you might be an orphan who's in Austin that doesn't have family and like come be part of our family, you know. So I thought that's you know that's an awesome way where, where like you know we talk about parishes in terms of being composed of families, like we talk about parish size and uh, in terms of families, but in terms of you know like. And the theory is, yeah, the, the family is the building block of society. So that's kind of a way that it can be. Like, it can be like a nucleus that you kind of form things around. And then uh, my friends, the Northrops, they'll have parties at Easter and Thanksgiving sometimes, I believe, where uh, they'll invite a whole bunch of friends. And they have, you know, I don't know, they'll have 40, 50 people over for dinner. And then they'll do Liturgy of the Hours. So um, it's different. It's pretty, it pretty cool. And um, But it's like, yeah, bring your friends. And, uh, um... So, I mean, I was even thinking, like, I've had, I've taken it as a valid excuse that if, if I ask somebody to, invite somebody to something, they're like, oh, sorry, my family's in town. And the, like, the implied thing is my family's in town, and obviously we're going to spend time with uh, with my my family and not around you, because why would you be included in any way? Um, no, but it's, but yeah, but it, I'm like, but we accept it as, oh, yeah, that's okay, but why is that okay? Like, why is... If the family is building block society, why is spending time with family preclude any time with friends? Like that's just kind of odd to me. Well, that's so. how we are. We're like both and Catholics are kind of like both and kind of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and then um, yeah, so there was that. Uh, oh, the other thing. So in terms of charity, uh, I was just thinking we're we're coming up on the holiday season, and um, uh, I get a lot of I get people sometimes that um, they re they're desperate to help people on Thanksgiving. They've called me up because I've used to uh, do a lot more. Um, uh, service activities than I did in the past, or than I do now, um, and they would say, they know that I would like, uh, I've helped out at like St. Louis with the, uh, was it Feast of Sharing or whatever, mm -hmm. where um, uh, they'll they'll bring in homeless people or poor people, and they'll serve them a, a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, one time I was there, it was like a hundred of us volunteered, and there was like one homeless guy, so they we had to like bring in more homeless people. But um, usually there's, like, a huge amount of people that want to volunteer um, at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But then, and I've talked with, like, people at um, Meals on Wheels, and they said, yeah, we, like, everybody wants to help out uh, November and December, and then we can't get anybody to help in July. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm at the beach now. I, I don't want to care about homeless people now. But, uh, but uh, you know, so I, I like to remind people, like, yeah, it's great to help from November 1st to December 31st, but, you know, there's poor people year-round. Exactly. So there's always, there's always plenty of opportunity to volunteer. But when you still do stuff, you know, you're still going I do. to the food bank. I do know? the uh, we do the Central Texas Food Bank. They have a volunteer night. Although I've done it other times, but um, this local, uh, it's the Austin a ABGB Austin Beer Garden and Brewery, and uh, they uh, they'll bring a um, they bring a uh, keg of beer 
and you volunteer for like an hour and a half, which is a little shorter than normal volunteer slot, and then they give you free beer. So that's pretty sweet. That's pretty but sweet. Um, yeah, in general, I, I like going to the food bank. Um, we've done it other than at times when you don't get free beer, but it's still it's still kind of cool. Or sometimes we'll do is uh, I used to do uh, we'd go to Meals on Wheels on um, do non-perishable deliveries on Saturday mornings, and we'll get different routes and drive around the city. And you get to see interesting parts of Austin you don't normally see. So indeed. That tourists never get to. So <laughs> But but yeah, uh yeah, just two two random uh, you know, uh, grievances or uh, no, notes. But um so yeah, so we'll be uh interviewing Octavia and alright, so we'll take a break and we'll be back. This is Joan Pearsall, and I'm glad to be one of Joe's people. You're listening to Joe's People. Why not pop round to our website at joespeople.com? That's Joe, uh, that's J-O-E-S-P-E-O-P-L-E dot com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash joespeople. Thank you ever so much. All right, so that was just awesome banter, wasn't it? Didn't it? It really makes you think. It does. Yeah, yeah. it so, does. Whoever my co-host mm. was this week, I mean, we really had a we had, a good, <laughs> we had an awesome discussion. So yeah, it was uh, it was great. So yeah, so this week I'm interviewing my my friend Octavia, and it's pronounced Octavia, not Octavia. Right? Yeah, so, make yeah. sure get it right. Uh, it's a mouthful, I, uh, but yeah. yeah. I uh, uh, um, when I was a kid, I liked the emperor and uh, the emperor. Uh, see, he he was Octavian, and uh, although see. When I was a kid, I would just read books and I wouldn't talk to anybody, so I thought it was Octavian because I never... Well, know, the thing is, so, uh, the but, thing about that is it is Octavian. Okay, see, so I was right there. It is Octavian. Actually, Octavian. technically, it would be Octavian if you really want to get nerdy and yeah. Latin about it. However, okay. um, my family says it Octavia. My aunt is Octavia. My cousin is Octavian, so it really is normal in yeah. the family. So. Yeah, and then, uh, um, and then it became Augustus, the first emperor. And um, it, it was so... Uh, nobody was paying attention when I was picking my um, confirmation name. They assumed I knew what I was doing, and I chose Augustus as my confirmation name. And you're not really allowed to do that, like it. And um, uh, at least I assume you're not. Uh, maybe they maybe they assumed it was Augustine, but I didn't know anything about Augustine. So my yeah, my confirmation name is Augustus. Isn't it Augustine? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. But it's uh, and it's uh, uh, yeah, it means golden Augustus. Uh, so oh. yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just, you know, uh, not quite misspent youth. Just, you know, people should have really been watching over me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, yeah, so we're, we're, at, we're interviewing at, uh, Octavia at uh, the sprawling, you know, Casa Ratu. That's right. It's Ratu. Right? Mm-hmm. Ah, so. mm-hmm. And that's what I was wondering. Does it, does it have a name like Tara or Tara? You know. Uh, it's got to have been named at some point. Though. It has to be named. It, yeah. it, my, my mother does refer to it um, to lure guests um, as just the villa. Oh, okay. Um, however, we are huge under the Tuscan Sun fans, and so sometimes when she gets particularly romantic, she likes to call it Brahma Sole, like they have in the movie, um, which oh. means yearning towards the sun or yearning for the sun. So yeah, okay. But we just we just call it the villa. The villa. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, I started doing that with my different properties that I invest in. So <laughs> my I have one condo. It's kind of dark, and. Uh, like it never sees the sun. Well, it doesn't it does much because it's on the first floor of a three floor condo building. So I call it Storm's End, just to give it <laughs> that dark feel. And then 
I had another one that's like near a landfill, and I thought, well, landfill's kind of like a moor, so moor is like a wasteland, so I called it Moorhaven. So oh, cool. Yeah. It's way better than like near the dump. So, what What was the and, name uh, of the first one? Uh, Storm's End. And it kind of reminds yeah. me a little bit of Bag End, right? Yeah, from yeah the, it could be, yeah. From The Hobbit, yeah. yeah. And then um, I got one that's on the third story, and it's like all all blue sky, so I call that Dragon's Perch. So. Uh, Ooh, yeah. all right. And then my, my home I just called Mordor. So, yeah, <laughs> so here it is. It's very it's appropriate. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's about right, yeah. Either that or Mount Doom, but Mordor works better. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so now you're in the... Okay, wait, no, sorry. So we met through James Core. Uh, who, um, he invited me to one of your parties when you were, you were doing a, you were, it was a going away party for when you were going to, um, you were going to Washington, D.C., I believe, or somewhere up northeast. Yeah, I was, I was on a, um, a sabbatical from my, I was getting my doctorate in psychology at the time, um, unfinished, unfortunately, but, um, I had this big... What garden party was it? Oh, it was... Um, it was a great Gatsby party. God, who am I? What garden party? What okay, party? yeah, one? yeah. Which yeah. one, right? Jeez. Uh, uh, I mean, Daisy was there. And yeah, I know. Uh, we had Old Sport. No, yeah, we had all yeah. the whole game. Tom, gang. her husband Tom. Yeah, and, Tom. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Gatsby. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, yeah, and... Uh, Who's Nick? Is it, who narrates that? Maybe Nick. Yeah, it could be Nick. Yeah, Toby McGuire. Yeah. Uh, Put us all through hell. Uh, the best part of that movie is that Robert Redford got shot at the end. So, <laughs> which, like, all the women, like, when we watched this in school, all the girls cried. And all the guys were like, that's oh, pretty sweet, actually. That's you know, I so, I couldn't, uh, I mean, I love Boz Lerman. Lerman um, and, I, and I love the new Gatsby. And I couldn't get past the fact that everyone is just sweating like pigs in that movie. Oh, I didn't know this. The Robert yeah. Redford one? Oh yeah, yeah, they're all they're, glistening the whole time, except they? for Daisy. She's yeah, they, just, see, you even know. If you, back, I think the even if you're rich, they didn't they didn't have air conditioning. This is what this <laughs> means right. that like HVAC technicians are actually very important, even to rich people. I think that was the moral. No story. wonder they killed themselves so yeah. frequently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank God the, the, we have air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now, uh, yeah. So we uh, and now you're a native Austinite, or or you or you unicorn. You grew, yeah, you grew up here. And that's that's kind of rare. Usually, uh, that's you know. It is. Well, I'm I'm rare in many aspects, Joe, yeah. as you clearly know from yeah. the past four years of friendship. But, um, yeah, native Austinite, and then became a fighting Irish. I went to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, I went to Purdue, and I guess there's. there's oh yeah, Purdue. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry for you know, what that must have been like for you. Yeah, but. it was. Yeah. <laughs> Being in the Midwest in general, so. I always give my, my Notre Dame friends uh, grief for, you know, I'm like, oh, you went to Notre Dame and you're still Catholic. That's pretty sweet. I know. Isn't that fun? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was actually the opposite for me. It's funny you mention um, confirmation names because I was a lackadaisical Catholic growing up through no fault of my my parents. They tr- they really did try their best, but I was a willful child. And I my confirmation saint is uh, Julia. So that makes my name Octavia Julia Julia Ratsu because that's how little I cared. <laughs> so that's the story with that. Um, is there a story behind Julia? Is there a, uh, like a... I don't, like, I, don't know, I don't know about St. Julia. Or is there a... Did you have to pick a saint's name? Was it a... Oh, no, there's a St. Julia. I don't know a yeah. thing about her uh, still. 
Um, well, no, I'm, I'm more a doing some background Mary Magdalene kind of girl. But um, yeah. no, the um, a Notre Dame did make me Catholic. Oh. Um, I found my way to the Filiae Mariae, Children of Mary. Yeah. Um, One and of the I got of, uh, movements in the church. In, right. Yeah. Um, but I did get into, I explored Opus Dei. I mean, I really just started drinking the Kool-Aid there of the conservative Catholic mafia, as it were. Opus um, Dei, that's sweet. So, uh, you know all about the, all about the, all killer, about the, the killer albino monk? Albino monks, yeah. Yeah, so yeah no, it's, yeah. it's totally accurate. So, yeah. good job, Dan Brown, on that. Um, no, I, I actually had the good fortune of, um, my sophomore year, um, finding the Notre Dame, um, Center for Ethics and Culture, uh, it's now the De Nicola Center for Ethics and Culture, um, which was the hotbed of intellectual Catholicism. Um, and that's where I discovered Walker Percy oh. and Flannery and Brideshead Revisited. Um, and uh, for our listeners, Joe and I are part of a little book club um, that we're trying to move on to the next phase um, to get... Uh, to get a Brideshead watch of the classic BBC miniseries um, version of Brideshead Revisited, which and it's all about rich Catholics. And the, yeah, it's just uh, so delicious. Yeah, uh, wonderfully it's, it's written. It's Evelyn Waugh, right, or is it Evelyn? Evelyn. Evelyn, Evelyn Waugh, who who later in life actually um, basically disowned the book because huh. he thought it was way too um, flowery, huh. but then he justified it because he'd written it just after the war and people were starving for that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, I like flowery writing because I'm pretentious and I write in a flowery way. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, that, that little rabbit hole. But yeah, Notre Dame um, did, I was there when um, Obama got invited as the commencement speaker oh, in yeah. 2009. And at the time, um, I might feel differently now, but at the time I did help organize the alternative commencement ceremony. It was a big mm. brouhaha. Um, what else happened there? Yeah. It, it was, was cold. It was cold. cold. Yeah. 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 And it was cold. It tends to be windy there. Yeah. yeah. But the, you know, the, the cold, the cold makes you feel alive. That's yeah, why does, I'm, yeah. you walk faster. I'm yeah. dead inside right now oh, in this yeah. July heat. It just doesn't. Yeah. Cold sounds pretty good right about now, actually. Yeah. 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 Oh. Notre Dame. And then, um, uh, what else am I talking about? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So now you're currently studying, it's a degree in counseling. You're, uh... So I was. Um, <clears throat> I'm currently not, I took a break in that. I have this wonderful little habit of starting things and not finishing them. It's better than um, not starting at all. So. That's true. So I guess in keeping with that, we have to make sure that this episode remains unfinished. Just, yeah. I want to be a person of integrity. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'll at least, uh, I at least take a week to edit them. So okay. I do have some things I've uh, recorded and never bothered editing together. Well, it just, I didn't know how to, how to turn them into something. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, until this past semester, I was, um, getting my master's in counseling at St. Edwards, which is the brother school of Notre Dame actually. Yeah. Um, the, uh, Holy Cross fathers. Holy Cross. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But I am, um, I guess you're talking to me at a pretty interesting pivot point. Um, I'm considering just not trying to do seven things at the same time. And I work full time as a functional medicine health coach at um, a medical practice. Um, 
my mother's actually. Um, and it turns out that working full time and being in grad school full time yeah, and trying to be a human, which you have to do full time, unfortunately, yeah. uh, it's a little rough. Yeah. Yeah. So I might just calm down and just work. I don't know what that's going to look like, but... Um, that's what Ron Swanson said. He said, don't half-ass two things. He said, full-ass one thing. So, yeah. Yes. God bless Ron Swanson and God yeah. bless America. That was when I think he was 12 years old. He was trying to that's run right. two, two full-time jobs. <laughs> and and I then he really made realized. that joke that Leslie didn't understand because it yeah. was too technical. <laughs> yeah, it had to do with leather and, <laughs> leather and sheet metal or something like that. He's like, thank God for child labor. Right, uh, right, right. So, yeah. <laughs> Although you said now one goal is to be less flaky this year. You said. Uh, oh, did fun. I say that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that is a goal. And actually, it's funny. I was going to text you just before this and reschedule. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm glad right. I didn't. Um, I mean, I have my flaky periods too. So, yeah. Well, no, I, I, I actually, you know, I, I think Joe isn't giving himself enough uh, credit. I think he's known... Um, widely by his friends as a very steady, reliable person. Um, I'm actually not being snarky right now. This is said with total sincerity. No, no, Joe's giving me this the, face. No, I just thought I thought you were going to say I've known as somebody gives people grief for being flaky. That's the other. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, that's, that's par for the course. Yeah, but that's pretty much. Yeah. Um, yes, the flaky aspect of my adult life is one thing I'm discarding. I turned 30 this year and I decided that that was not going to be a defining aspect of my personality anymore. And actually, because of the magical Google Calendar and something called a conscience, it's been pretty not as hard as I thought to not be a total trash person, garbage <laughs> flake. Um, so it's still a journey, but I find it really rewarding that when I say, when I say I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time and then I actually, actually show up, show yeah. up. Oh, I mean, yeah. people, I just, they fall over themselves. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, so this is really all about my ego is what I'm trying to say. I just, that's you know, fine. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, St. Francis of Sales, he talked, he had a chapter in, um, introduction to devout life where, um, talked about, um. It was, it was humility plus, uh, uh, or it was it was um, basically care, uh, maintaining humility, but also caring about your reputation, and saying basically that actually mm -hmm. having a good name to live up to, it keeps us accountable. So even if none of our other virtues hold us in check, at least our vain attempt to maintain our reputation ah. would would do it. So it's kind of like a last fallback position. Oh, I like so that. It's, so it's kind of like you're yeah. using vanity to serve a good purpose. So. Well, uh, yeah, the, so. the church does teach us that, you know, the, uh, the ends do justify the means. There you go. So. Yeah, so. Is that, <laughs> right? Isn't that a, that's I, in I the Summa, in, right? And it's in back somewhere. <laughs> that's in the, yeah, the Revelation or something like that. Yeah. yeah uh, oh, I was thinking about, um, uh, yeah, flakiness and, uh, oh, yeah, so in my parties, I get people that give me maybes all the time on my, especially, like, my, the only party I throw every year, usually is just my, my birthday party. And I get, I get a bunch of maybes. And then I like to do is put the quote from, is it from Revelation? Or no, is it, uh, where, uh, um, I think it's Revelation where, is it Jesus that says, you know, since you're neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So, oh. so I always put that in. I, like, <laughs> I was like, if you're going to be a maybe, just consider this from Revelation. And then sometimes I'll let them look it up and sometimes I'll just put it right there. You know what and you, then it gets, it gets people to commit a little more, just slightly more. What so, you could do to so. be a little, um, maybe veer from the... 
ah, uh, how would you call it? Theological retribution. Yeah. Um, you could, what I always think of is um, Dante's Inferno, where the people who refuse to stand up for something or make a decision are uh, damned to walk in a circle. Well, I guess they're all circles of hell, but to walk for eternity carrying banners. Ah. So they literally are standing for something for the rest of their days. So that's you awesome. could throw that in. Ooh, that's sweet. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. use that in my next party. Yeah, yeah. We'll do, uh, we'll do that. I'll use a quote. As long as you give me a shout out again, it's yeah, all yeah. about me. Yeah, I'll get, so. yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. You'll get, you'll get, uh, I'll still you'll get RSVP credit. maybe. Yeah. yeah I once, um, I created an event for um, when the symphony, uh, the symphony plays a big band outside. And, um, uh, I create an event and invite my dancers to come. Uh, it's once a month in June, July, and August. And um, so I created my event and I started handing, you know, inviting people. And the symphony canceled their event, so everybody in the city started using my event instead of the. Are you serious? The symphony's event. Yeah. So I got, <laughs> I had over six hundred maybes to my event of people that I don't know, and I wouldn't know if they showed up or not anyway. But I was like, people know how much I hate maybes, and I got six hundred maybes on my. <laughs> On my event, so did you still post the uh, the Bible quote? I may have done that. <laughs> I possibly did, but I think I got like ten dancers that showed up out of wow. you know, six hundred maybe's. So well, well I, you know, the other people were in the crowd just listening. So. I gotta say, but, uh, every time I've gotten an invite to that, as we've discussed, I I do not like the heat. Uh, nor am I much of a dancer, so combining the two, it's okay. So. Even though I love a the strong symphony, no, just I can't even make movement. myself even be in a category of yes and no maybe yeah. i just you know you can't even well, yeah. i i that won't take be, the trouble that might be better than maybe actually. <laughs> i uh if i did you know like oh i had one friend who i asked her to get help me this was 10 years ago so nobody nobody you know now um help me with an uh with um the cathedral adults that's running and she said i'm gonna this was in like maybe march uh and she tells me that she goes i'm gonna be busy until like April of next year. <laughs> and I was like, just say no. Just say no. Not going to happen. Like, why would you try to defer it? That's with some just excuse obnoxious. For like 13 months. <laughs> just say no. No, Joe. I wouldn't want to help in any way. Sorry. It's like, hey, uh, can you come to my birthday party? Oh, I think I'm going to be busy that night. Well, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of nebulously, yeah. What was the, the, somebody, there was a text meme, or a meme, it was, uh, Somebody texted back, oh, sorry, I was busy. And the other guy goes, I sent that text like two years ago. <laughs> That's so me. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so I uh, wanted to start talking a little Jordan Peterson. So, yeah, we, uh, um, he had 12 rules for life. And uh, we're both, uh, we both seem to be Jordan Peterson fans. Yeah. We don't have to do all 12, but uh, let's see. Uh, I like, um, so let's see, number one, stand up straight with your shoulder. With your shoulders straight, as I'm yeah, correcting so, uh, my posture yeah, here. Yeah, it's he claims that's from lo- you know lobsters. They uh, they stand up. There's a like a physical tie between your posture and your attitude, and also sort of how how you're perceived by the world. I guess so. Uh, um, well, yeah, I, uh, I you know this is obviously not a video podcast, but yeah. what I'm doing right now is called a uh, a power pose. Oh, is it? You know, with your your legs. Well, actually, this is more a man thing, but they. Cross yeah, your uh, legs like a dude and drape your arm over the chair yeah, with your shoulders more, back. You seem and a little more relaxed, but still engaged. Well, it's uh, engaged, but it's also I'm expanding to fill the room. So uh, I, I'm physically like becoming, you yeah, know. Yeah, like you're like, you, like can, uh, you can get everybody. Pretty much if you had, if you had weapons, you could strafe the whole room. <laughs> so 
Oh yeah. Right. Well, Doctor Phil is. Uh, he said you wanna. He said you don't wanna be okay. You don't wanna be like this with your arms folded because mm-hmm. it looks like I'm just sort of suspicious. Maybe I'm not listening, and maybe I'm just you know I'm just not really engaged. He says you wanna be like this, like leaning forward with hands on uh, or forearms on your um, your thighs. Like okay, let's do like we're huddling up. Like how are we gonna take care of this? You know, like what are we what are we gonna do? And like Liz, I'm actually listening to, and he'd, you know, he'd have his, mm. his ties hanging down. You know, oh, so. the ties hanging down. Yes, yeah, so, but he's like, you know, it's more like this. I, I feel sometimes like, like to sit. Like yeah, this, but that's a like very a, Joe pose. Yeah. Yeah, like with one hand cocked yeah, on the like knee. Like bring in my jester. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like yeah, so something like dance, that, you know? monkey, dance. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> a little more. And then uh, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. And this was good. Uh, I like the one he said that you know people he gave the example of uh, pet owners. If um, they have a pet that they take to the vet, um, they'll make sure that, and they get some prescription, they'll make sure the pet takes all the medicine for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if, you know, they have pneumonia or something, they'll they'll take like, you know, 30% of the pills probably. Or rest. just emergency just, and try to pray it away. Yeah. yeah not even. Like <laughs> but it's like, you know, maybe we'll get to it, maybe not. I don't know. I'm good. After a day of it, I'm good. I'm not going to keep taking pills. I got better things to do, right? And uh, his thing is that like, we don't. We think that like not taking care of yourself is somehow, um, I don't know, maybe that's being humble or maybe that's just not being vain or um, selfish. Well, I think it speaks Mm -hmm. to the particularly Catholic um, strain of masochism that we just really like to suffer. Yeah. Um, And then there's the whole, um, you know, pain is necessary, suffering is optional. So if... If you do see, if you do have enough self-respect and, um, you know, presence and identity to consider yourself worth taking care of, um, then ostensibly you wouldn't treat yourself like crap. But that's much less fun. Yeah. I mean, who would want that boring crap? You you want the roller coaster of making yourself suffer, and then you get to be a martyr, right? Yeah. Isn't that how martyrdom works? Well, you're you know you're <laughs> Opus Day training, you know, right? Uh, you whip yourself probably, or you know they they, they do that. Or you they won't want my opinion on Opus okay. Day. Okay. I'm, yeah, a, no, I'm a communion and liberation. I don't want the uh, I don't yeah. want the I don't want the, the monk coming after me. <laughs> so it's not good. Yeah, we shouldn't go. Shouldn't have brought that up. So. But no, uh, uh, the uh, oh, befriend people who want the best for you, um, which I liked. Um, yeah, in terms of like, you know, yeah, your friends, you don't want friends who basically would like to see you fail or they like that, you know, they, they enjoy that Freude. Freude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, um, well, uh, what was, see, um, Coach Holtz, uh, Notre Dame, he, uh, he said that um, don't tell people, you know, you don't necessarily tell people all your problems because 90% of them don't care and the other 10% are glad you have them. Right, right, so yeah, uh, yeah. So sometimes it's, um, uh, yeah, so you should Put sort of, uh, you know, when you have that idea of like creating a... Um, you know, having a community around you that's supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I also so. think a, um, another aspect of that is it doesn't say befriend people who are happy if you're happy. Um, it says, you know, sometimes the things that make us happy are not the things that are the best for us. For yeah. example, if my friend Sally is doing a lot of drugs and she's happy... If I truly were her friend in the Aristotelian sense, where I desire her good as much as I do my own, yeah. um, I'm not going to be happy about that. And then it comes down to you know the finesse um, of 
you know, how do you go about telling them? Is it your place? What are you willing to sacrifice? And I've been truly hashtag blessed with, um, people in my life who have really stuck by me through my, um, mercurial periods, um, where I am doing things that are just not good for me and kudos, you know, to them for, for standing up and saying, Hey, I'm telling you this because I am your friend. And I think that that's really rare. It's a very rare, authentic, totally genuine trait that in our society in 2019 is just not found. Yeah. It's like Mo said, um, uh, he said, Homer, I'm, I'm re- your real friend. He goes, remember when everybody else said you were too drunk to drive? He's like, who's the one who gave you your keys? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I do not endorse that. <laughs> I got to throw a couple Simpsons. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, You know, actually, I'll I'll take this next one. Um, I just came from brunch because I'm basic and it's Saturday and during the summer. Uh, Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Oh, yeah. Um, Talked about that with actually a new um, female friend of mine. And I think especially for women um, and exacerbated by social media and Twitter and you know, all that. Um, it's just so easy to get in that toxic comparison. And as the saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, so I've had to, I think this is very common people going through social media cleanses. I recently did one of those, um, friend cleanses, but I didn't announce it. Like, you know how some people announce it, like comment on this status. If you don't want to get defriended, um, I just do a ran- random purge. Yeah, no, oh, and, and I mean, when I meant purge, I meant if I have not talked to you in the past six months to one year, which probably means I didn't even care enough to wish you happy birthday, like, probably best that we not be voyeurs into each other's lives. I, I like to do, I just hide people, and then they have to watch all my stuff, so then I, <laughs> so I can still, I can still vent. <laughs> Although, see... During Lent, I, I led a couple souls out of purgatory, out of the, the hide purgatory. So I'll like look at oh. maybe on Good Friday or something. I'll be like, okay, that person's not so bad. Maybe I can see. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're still posting pictures of their kids. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I get it. So in this scenario, you're God? Yeah. I'm, I'm letting people out of purgatory. Oh. It's, it's totally healthy nice. thing on my part. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you hide so, it well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so um, Let's see what, uh, yeah, number in a show number. Uh, tell you, we, don't, we don't have kids, I don't know. Don't either children do yeah, I don't know do anything, anything about children. Uh, uh, yeah, we can, uh, we'll, we can defer that one. Sit your house in order before you criticize the world. Uh-huh. That's the one about cleaning up your room, oh, or that's the meme, uh, the clean up your room meme. Uh, which I did, I like, uh, did I tell you that what my agenda I, I know it's Saturday, but I have an agenda literally after this episode. I promised myself that I wasn't going to let myself go out tonight unless I cleaned my room. Because again, it looks either like a homeless person lives in there or just um, a messy 30-year-old single woman who can't get her act together. And that's not living my best life. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's one... um, my friend Jennifer Forla, she has a, an orga, uh, organization guru on, um, and she uh, read her book, um, whose title escapes me now. But the um, one of the things she recommends is sort of is 
having goals, but also I mean, like not assuming you can do everything at once. Um, and basically having things as like a way station, like you, um, you get, uh, you know, the things you're going to donate and you put them, you know, you have them in the car. So the next time you drive by Goodwill or something, uh, so she's very much about like doing it in stages. Um, and basically minimizing that basically you can't buy enough organizational tools to help you if you just Mm. have too much stuff. True. uh, Yeah. True. Oh, is this the, um, the concept of low key tidying? Where it's, it's, you know, the five rules of tidy people is that there's, they never have to set aside time to like, aside from a deep clean, they never have to consciously tidy because they're always they're subconsciously doing it. Doing it yeah, doing it in the background. Yeah, yeah, in the background, right. That was on The Simpsons too. Um, uh, Marge got, she was at a car wash and she <coughs> bought a, uh, I think it was the Japanese Warrior's Guide to Organizing. Ah. And as opposed to Marie Kondo's uh, so if I hear one more thing about Marie Kondo, <laughs> I'm going to lose it. <laughs> but, what, right, so. Wait, wait. What's the spinoff? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> the art of not giving a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't remember. But they were... Uh, Simpsons always takes a, makes a twist on whatever the title is. So um, so instead of Marie Kondo's thing, it's a Japanese warrior uh, guide. So... And then, uh, and then the, uh, my favorite was, uh, Marge was reading instead of the girl with the dragon tattoo, she's reading, uh, the girl who regretted her tattoo. <laughs> you know, it rolls off the tongue very similarly. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. clever. Yeah. All right. All right. So that's good. So we're, we're through six rolls. So I think it's yeah. a good time for a break. We'll take a break. Then. Yeah. This is Mary McClory, M little C, big C, little L O R Y. And you're listening to Joe's people. Case, okay, so we are back. Um, let's see. So we're, we were going through Jordan Peterson. Aren't you going to announce me song. again? Oh yeah. So this is this is Octavia. <laughs> uh, we're back here talking with our friend Octavia. So uh, uh, it's all this is extremely you know professionally produced podcast. So, and uh, um, yeah. So uh, um, well yeah. I, I'm trying to think. When was the last time I did a podcast? I think the last time I did a podcast was like two years ago. So yeah. So. Oh wow! So it's okay if it's rough around the edges. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Well, it's like um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Zach Galifianakis. He does. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll um, just decide to do between one, two uh, ferns. Yeah, he'll decide to do it between two ferns. Um, you know, like after about a year, he's like, oh, let's do another one, and then gets like a million hits or whatever. Right. right. You know, so he uh, whenever whenever the mood strikes him, but uh, sometimes it's like you know I'm like uh, uh, when I'm on a roll I'll be like oh yeah that'd be an interesting person to talk to and that would be too and then you know keep. You know, having weeks or you know months, and then um yeah, and then after a while I'm like, yeah, I don't feel like editing, so I don't even do that for a while. And then uh, kick, and then kick it back on. So you flake. I flake exactly. Yeah. I oh, I retool. We're retooling ah. the podcast. Okay. And then you know it's always uh you know it's a it's a um, expansion. Uh, yeah, expansion right. year. Of course. So yeah, yeah. It's not, you know. <laughs> or you're just reprioritizing. You know, doing uh, doing other Catholic things. You know. So. <laughs> uh oh yeah. So number seven, per, uh, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Which, you know, that's pretty, there's other Catholic ways of saying that, but, um, yeah, he, you know, in terms of, uh, um, actually, I forget his examples of, um, I mean, basically not taking short, shortcuts, um, and, uh, you know, taking, I, I think he talks about, you know, uh, parents that say, oh, I just want my children to be happy, and he's like, yeah, but wouldn't you prefer that your, your child's life was meaningful? Because it's more noble, right, to say, well, you know, 
it's okay if my kid's not happy 100% of the time as long as they're doing something important or meaningful for it. Right. And of course, so. they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, again, I was, um, I was on a date last night and it was one of those, um, those scintillating conversations that like three hours went by very quickly. And we talked about, um, you know, what our goals were in life. Um, and he asked me the question, which it seemed almost like it was a trick question and I I saw it coming and he said, you know, is your goal to, to be happy? And I said, ah, good question. Uh, no, because happiness pursued, it always eludes you. Um, happiness is the byproduct of consistent right action. Um, in other words, excellence. And, you know, especially if you take things one day at a time, um, and just do not only the next right thing, but the next thing right, whatever feeling you have at the end of the day, as your head hits the pillow, that's happiness. Yeah. Um, but still, um, I would much rather, um, tailor my personality or character strengths and weaknesses and trying to be of use or of service to someone else. Um, because all my education and then just life experiences have taught me that usually when I'm feeling, you know, in a, in an icky mood, if I just get out of self and help someone else, then I am not disturbed or bothered anymore. So it's, uh, it's a nice little formula. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, you know, we have the, one of the fruits of the, I believe one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is, uh, joy. But we would either fruit or I don't know. There's there's fruit of the Holy Spirit and there's something I forget what it is. But the um, but joy we would differentiate from happiness, I suppose, uh, in terms of um, it's mm. possible to be joyful and at least not you know and happy in the in the um, in the short term. So mm. um, that um, or we we also would say that like joy and suffering are sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, that there is. Um, uh, the, and the, the only place where there's unmingled uh, joy is heaven, basically. And the only place where there's unmingled suffering is hell. So on earth, there's always going to be joy mingled with uh, suffering. So. Interesting. So what you're telling me is that I can be surprised by suffering as well as joy? Exactly, yeah. All right. Or not even surprised. I, I don't well, know. You, you have to be surprised by it. It's, you know, it's pretty much, you know. Just had to throw in that little yeah, C.S. Yeah. Lewis. Yeah, surprised know, Nerd out a little bit. Yeah, that's a, And then, uh, um... Tell the truth or at least don't lie. So um, That one is yeah, my so. favorite. And it wasn't my favorite right off the bat. My favorite right off the bat was the first one. Yeah. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. Uh, which, as a side note, I have a younger brother, two years younger, who works in finance. And um, he realized quickly that um, his law school attire of ratty gym shorts and a t-shirt wasn't going to cut it in the banking world. So all of a sudden he started showing up dressed in these suits. Um, and then he read Jordan Peterson and I remember it's, uh, it's my brother before JP and after JP. Cause all of a sudden he walked, he walked into the room and I was like, Oh, Hey, (laughs) hello. And he goes, you know, hello there. I said, what's different about you? You look not worse. And, and he said, well, I'm standing up straight with my shoulders back. Um, but to, to come to this one, you know, it's really the simplest thing to tell the truth. Um, not everyone, I don't know, you you might not agree with this. I don't think 
everyone is entitled to my truth. Um, I used to be on the opposite side of that. Um, and I also think that in the realm of honesty, there's brutal honesty um, and then there's rigorous honesty. So for me, my code is to be rigorously honest, which um, means you have to be charitable. Um, yeah, we're supposed to, to be... deliver honesty with love, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or, or it's yeah. not truth, yeah. right? Um, so for all you non-religious listeners, every time a religious person has jumped on your throat, there they actually don't have it right. Um, yeah, or at least, and I like that hyphen there, uh, or M dash or whatever, or at least don't lie. Least don't lie. Um, my brother, again, this sort of Johnny Appleseed of honesty, he told me that he no longer even allows in his moral code, um, little white lies. Yeah. So when he's late to work, he doesn't blame traffic. Um, he just says, I'm sorry, I'm late. Uh, I can't say it won't happen again, but I'll try my best that it doesn't. And I'm like, oh, that is so much more sincere and more, uh, pleasantly re- received, you know, then, oh, traffic. It's like, okay, well, welcome to the human race, okay? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I found, um, number one, that, uh, uh, actually, yeah, yeah, lying takes a lot of, uh, you got to keep track of a lot of things, so it's mm-hmm. just complicated, and, and it's it, a takes web. A lot of, it takes a lot of energy. And then, um, it's funny, uh, if I, I've had cases where, um, well, number one, uh, people are, tend to be surprised by honesty, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I had a... If I get, you know, if a cashier gives me the wrong change and I give it back, um, you know, they're surprised. And I'm like, well, part of it is being an engineer and I'm, I actually prefer to be accurate. So sometimes accuracy, <laughs> honesty just masquerades or accuracy masquerades as honesty. So there's, there's that. Oh, <laughs> so we just, funny. we just don't like things to be wrong. <laughs> it's nice that it's also, you know, uh, truthful. So you're so, saying it's just your OCD uh, coming out. It's some of that. Yeah. yeah it's some of that. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, uh, I think also. Not that, to make light of mental disorders, you know, but yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, engineers are trained to be OCD, so it's part of the engineering sure. training. So, um, And if you already have OCD going into engineering school, then, you know, you're, you're one of the lucky ones. We get to, we just amplify it, so bring it out, make it useful. So, I grew up with an yeah. engineer father, so yes, yeah. very familiar with that. And, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I found actually, um, yeah, I'm almost, uh, yeah, I almost have like a physical ill reaction to, to dishonesty, so... Um, yeah, I'm almost allergic. Oh, should allergic I leave? To yeah, I should, yeah, maybe yeah. so, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think part of the thing is I, um, yeah, I, I tend to deliver, uh, deliver, um, honesty, but not, uh, more on the brutal truth side. So I, I have to work, I, I tend to work on trying to make it more loving and not brutal. But, um, well, yeah, you know, so, I, yeah. I don't know, maybe the grass is always greener, but I would rather, you know, overcorrect to the brutal aspect of honesty than, um, you know, speaking as a former compulsive liar, um, I'm very good at it. It's a lot of fun and it's a, <clears throat> what I used to call a creative outlet. Um, <laughs> yikes. Um, and it took, it's taken me the past two years. So, you know, this year the goal is not to be flaky. Yeah. The past two years has been stop lying. Yeah. And it and it's not even about the big things. You know, it's not that I'm hiding something in confession. It's 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 the stupid small stuff. Like the other day, um, just a little vignette, I I just I was at lunch and I don't know, maybe I was bored or of the other person or maybe even bored with myself and I I just started lying. It just it was just this web um of what I had done that morning. Yeah. I just completely made it up. Yeah. Um, and of course they referred to it later in the conversation and I was like, 
What? Wait, what? Wait. That reminds oh, me. Oh yeah. Norm Macdonald talks about that. If you lie, uh, <laughs> I if, love Norm. If you lie and you uh, <clears throat> and you realize, wait, I stand to gain nothing by this. Like somebody asked him, uh, <laughs> "Did you see the new Meryl Streep movie?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." And then he goes, "Wait a minute, I'm, I'm not going to get anything out of this lie. Why would I lie about this?" He is the comedian's comedian. Or what do you have for breakfast? Eggs. No, but it was really pancakes. But I'll just, I'll just say <laughs> eggs, just you know, just to, just for the, you know, just no reason. Right. Right. Uh, but um, <clears throat> assuming the person you were listening to knows something you don't. See, it's interesting. Mm. That, that reminds me of, um, I think it was Emerson, said that every, I believe it was Emerson, said every man is uh, my my superior in some way, and in that I can learn from him. That, uh, mm. I mean, it's kind of why, you know, I, uh, I try to learn what I can out of all the different tradesmen that I work with on my mm-hmm. real estate projects, because like these guys have been doing something for 30 years, I'm pretty sure they know something about it that I don't, so. Probably. Um, yeah. Although, probably best to just leave an electrician's work to an electrician. Yeah, for the most part. I, yeah. Yeah, but I uh, um, try to get out, of, you know, try to get little tips here and there, yeah. and try to understand what they're doing. Yeah. Um, well, um, and that presupposes, of course, um, that you have even a modicum of uh, humility, yeah. and then the whole multitasking debate you know multitasking was very in and then i can't remember when i started to see more and more articles um on my feed about um you know being present and it's about this moment and actually multitasking is a really horrible way of being productive um but i've really taken that to heart because um a it's rude to the person that you're talking to yeah um so i used to be the most horrible company at um at restaurants because not only having your phone out on the table is fine i think it's pretty acceptable now but i would have it in my hand and the second i'd get a text or any kind of stupid notification from an app i haven't used in two years you know my eyes would glance down and i had actually more than a few friends just gently and not so gently tell me like you, you have to put the you have to put it down yeah like you know what why are you here you know, what are you trying to get out of this? Um, and so, um, now see, that was a tangent because I can't even remember what point I was Well, it reminds make. me of, um, <laughs> I had a friend that, uh, in college that, uh, he would ask you a question and then while you're answering the question, he'd be looking off, just like not even <laughs> listening. And then you could say anything and then he was thinking of his next question. And then, um, but it reminded me of Homer, uh, so, uh, Homer, um, he had a, the end of one of his stories, uh, he was being chased in New York and he ended up falling into the sewer. Mm-hmm. And then, um, there was this, there's horrible movie in the eighties called Chuds. It was, um, it was cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers and they were, um, Good. I don't know, they, they were just some kind of monsters living <laughs> in the sewers. So, um, at the end of his story, Homer says, and that's when the Chuds came at me and, uh, just <laughs> totally random. And so the one guy, one guy on the line said he likes to check to see if anybody's listening to him by... He'll be telling a story at the very end. He says, and that's when the chuds came at me. <laughs> and then if people are just like, they just keep going on the normal, he knows nobody's listening. <laughs> I do that sometimes in my dating profiles at the very end. I'll, yeah. put, I'll put, and that's when the chuds came at me. <laughs> and, then, and one person so far has said, wait, what are chuds? So, but, oh. Yeah, so, yeah. And then it becomes happily ever after. after yeah, that. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I saw it, just a tangent, uh, one dating profile, it said, uh, it, it'll say, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? And under like, it says, um, I, or it's, I love myself. 
<laughs> I was like, that's a keeper. That's a keeper right there. That's, that's yeah. 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 Um, number 10, be precise in your speech. Uh, I, yeah, in my engineering training, I tend to, I tend to do that. Uh, tend to try to do that. I'm um, a, I'm a uh, four agreements kind of person. And my favorite one of the four agreements is be impeccable with your work. Yeah. Um, and I love, um, you know, he wanted to be precise, so he used the word precise. Yeah. Um, but impeccable, I think, encompasses a, um, a further intentionality that, you know, it's just the right thing. And it's also a more funner word. Impeccable. See what I did there? Yeah, you yeah. think more funner? Yeah. yeah. More gooder. More gooder. Yeah. yeah. That brings me up with another tangent. Uh, people talk about like older and younger um, uh -huh. people. And there's no such thing as older people. There's only old people. Like older is a comparative adjective. So you could say somebody's older than somebody else, but there's no older people. Uh, okay. And there's no younger people. <laughs> it's just a, uh, that's not a. What in tarnation with these younger folks? Yeah, there's no, there's no such thing. You, know, so you have to be younger. I, I had a coworker who, who used to say, I think I'm getting paid less. And I'm like, no, you're not getting paid less. You would get be getting paid less than me, possibly, but no, not just less. No, that so. is correct because the brackets, right, would be less than I used to be paid. Uh, no, but he, but he, his intention. I, I would say this. His intention was to say that he was getting paid less than me, but oh, he would just okay. say I'm getting paid less. Oh. And I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you might be getting paid less than me. But no. Right. So, uh, number 11, I don't know. Don't bother people. Uh, don't bother children while they're skateboarding. Um, I guess the main thing, like, don't uh, let kids uh, kind of, you know, get some skinned up uh, elbows and knees, I suppose. Don't protect them too much was his idea. Like, don't don't make their childhood too um, worry-free. Like, have a little bit of, um, let them... Let them learn Ease from life a little bit. Ease up on the helicopter yeah, parenting, yeah. yeah. We had a, uh, yeah. a neighbor um, or a family friend. She had, uh, she, uh, my family was large, you know, her, her, she had a lot of kids too. And um, uh, she said every kid has to eat a pound of dirt. So that basically if you try to keep your kids from like crawling around and getting dirty, that it's, uh, it's not going to, there's no point. It ruins but, the immune system. Yeah, you need, yeah, they need to get, they need yeah. to eat dirt. Yeah, so. Well, I think the, the most terrifying, um, I do... Contrary to what I said earlier, I do know a thing or two about raising kids. I was a live-in au pair for a family of uh, seven children at the time, now yeah. ten. Um, so you know with that, they're either Mormon or Catholic. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, they were Catholic. Yeah. Um, but children... Um, one of the things that terrifies me, uh, you know, if and when I am am in that happy state of being a mother, um, you know, just get the screens away. If Steve Jobs and the other tech giants are raising their children without screens and oh, forcing yeah. them to go outside, probably a good call to do that. Yeah. Now, that probably when I'm raising my kids, that's going to be, um, we're going to, you know, go full on rave on again and, uh, Amish, just go Amish. <clears throat> No, no, no. Well, go Amish in response to something being implanted in you. So oh, okay. you will not be able to get away from the screen, but, yeah. you know, Brave New World. So. Well, yeah, um, it reminds me of the uh, uh, drug kingpins. They knew not, never to touch uh, cocaine because mm -hmm. um, they knew not to touch the product. So engineers tend to be more skeptical of technology and um, uh, than others. So um, 
you know, as you check your iWatch there. I know, I know. That was so perfectly <laughs> timed, wasn't it? But, uh, where, where was but, your yeah. line about, and that's when the... <laughs> that's when the chuds came at me. Yeah. But, uh, I was doing that but, to yeah, be just a test. Yeah, illustrative, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I remember talking with, this was maybe eight, nine years ago, talking with some of our chip architects. Because I used to design... Uh, I used to design chips for cell phones and other oh. other other different. Uh, I don't, we went a bunch of different things, but um, some of our chip architects, they were like, "Oh yeah, we don't we don't have smartphones," mm-hmm. and uh, um, I think it was the same thing of uh, they they know to stay away from the drug. So, um, oh, but I'm I'm sure they, they've been gotten by now by the, you know something. Oh yeah. Although I'm uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean I'm on my iPhone six right now, so I. Uh, um, oh. I uh, I had an iPhone 3GS for about five or six years, so good grief. I finally finally Charlie upgraded. Brown. But, yeah, so so we we tend to be you know we can be luddites sometimes. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah, pet a cat when you encounter one in the street. Uh, I saw a lizard today. Well, a gecko lizard. I didn't pet him, <laughs> though, but uh, so yeah, I. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, that um, one. Um, you know, to me that comes off, and to be fully honest with you. I'm pretty sure in our book club I skimmed that chapter. Yeah. Um, nope, that's a lie too. I flat out didn't read it. Oh, okay. Um, but to <laughs> me, that sounds like just a provocative way to end the the twelve steps or <laughs> twelve rules. Twelve for life. rules. Excuse yeah. me. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's, it's sort of an what it's just like though. a smell the roses kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's kind of smell the roses. It's okay, uh, but. It, it's appreciated. I mean, did he really have to to make up another? He might have just been. He, he had eleven, and he needed to throw he a twelfth in there. Twelve. Okay. I think it was mainly uh, a lot of his other chapters were a bit um, maybe harsh, or um, maybe he felt he needed to light up a bit, lighten up a bit. And um, uh, but the yeah, you know, just appreciate. Eleven and twelve are pretty light. Yeah. Appreciate joy and beauty when they come your way. Appreciate you know little tiny. I don't know, maybe life. it's the whole, I, I just, I don't like cats. I had a very traumatic experience with a cat when I was a child that ended in the cat's death oh, um, out of self-defense, and so I will not be petting a cat. I get gerbils when you put that on. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't really like having cats around there. <coughs> so yeah. You can always pet. Yeah. Uh, the gerbils don't like to be pet anyway. But, um, uh, they, they prefer to be left alone. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, they're cute to watch, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they let me pet them if I'm feeding them. Otherwise, they might be left alone. So hmm. they're. Um, that sounds like me. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're sort of like a they're like an okay roommate. So they're yeah. you know yeah <laughs> they leave you alone. They must want to be left alone. They just you feed them some some kibble or whatever occasionally. They're good. So yeah, so um, I want to talk about. So you said this would be okay to talk about. Uh, I want mm-hmm. to talk about. Um, we both uh, we both had a certain amount of run in with anxiety, um, maybe anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. um, and. I guess, you know, actually, well, Jordan Peterson's book, so there's a couple things in there for, for helping that. But, um, uh, yeah, I think about, um, uh, or we were talking about this, uh, um, you know, in terms of in the, in the Catholic world or in general, you know, there's a um, stigma with having any kind of psychological issues or, you know, psychological health care. Um, Whereas, you know, if somebody said, oh, yeah, I busted my foot, it'd be like, oh, okay, okay, assume you got a cast on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, oh, going through anxiety, oh, yeah, well, whatever, I don't snap out of it. Buck up or yeah, just, uh, pray it away. Yeah, yeah. The, what was the one, um, somebody said that, uh, you know, people saying, ah, oh, people have it worse in Africa. It's like, that That, that never really helped anybody, so. No, well, um, it, you know, among other things, <laughs> completely invalidates your emotions, so 
Uh, that could be a response to pretty much anything. Uh, and, no. and Peterson talks about that, uh, that like, um, oh, if you say, well, in the grand scheme of things, um, or, you know, oh, uh, you know, on a galactic scale, what's that, right? He goes, well, yeah, you can always choose an arbitrary scale by which things are meaningless uh, you can make something meaningless so that doesn't really help things no. um, and even first world problems are still problems yes they so, are yeah with the qualifier yeah you know we're very aware they're first world problems yeah. um yeah you know and and <clears throat> this is this is the first time that i've been open about this on a medium such as this um but i i realized after i don't know it's probably been around a decade uh for me of struggling with um both pretty debilitating anxiety and depression um, that the more I hide it as kind of like you're as sick as your secrets kind of thing. Yeah. Um, my friends and the people who are not just ride or die status, but the people I, I see on a regular basis, you know, they are aware that when March or April hits, Octavia is kind of down for the count. And so they know that when I go into my, uh, quite unhealthy um, isolationary periods, they know not to take it personally. Yeah. Now, is that the best solution? No, not really. Um, you know, at, at my most recent bout, which I came out of a, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the constant thought that was going through my head is that, you know, at some point people have to move on. Life goes on. Life doesn't um, shock her. Life doesn't stop when yeah. you are anxious or depressed. Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. Um so for me, um, especially because, uh, although it was unfinished, um, when I was training to be a, um, uh, a Catholic psychologist, um, I found that when I would sit with Catholic, um, patients that they had a very, um, unhealthy tendency to theologize psychological problems oh, yeah. um, just as you can psychologize uh, theological problems. Um, so it, it cuts both ways. Um, but I think particularly, um, and I, ha I have a sort of motley crew of both secular and religious friends, um, I haven't found the same level of dysfunctional attitudes in my secular friends towards mental health as I have found among my Catholic friends. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as with anything, um, there's nothing in the dogma, you know, that's contrary to getting the help that you need. It's rather in the expression of that in the institution, in our priests, in the lay people, um, because, you know, surprise, surprise, we're human and imperfect. Um, and there's just, even in 2019, there is a widespread lack of understanding about what depression actually is. Yeah. There are whole subreddits devoted to memes that when I'm depressed, um, I get a lot of solace from because it's a collective understanding that, no, I do not choose to be anxious or depressed. I can make choices that exacerbate both of them. Um, and so, and this is actually possibly a little bit controversial, but I do think that there is a... Um, um, a component of the will that is at play here. But when your agency is diminished and your capacity to make decisions is diminished, whether you're anxious or depressed, um, you, you just, the only, the only, um, answer is 
to just be passive and you mark time as it passes and you just wait it out. That's at least what it looks like for me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in my 20s, uh, well, it really started at, um, at Notre Dame, um, you know, I found my quote unquote medication um, in substances, alcohol, food, and then when Netflix came to be a thing, Netflix. Yeah. Um, they worked until they didn't. Uh, and um, relationships actually go in that category too it was very much a balm for um, for anxiety having not feeling ever feeling that I was enough and having someone fill that hole um, that really had nothing to do with God or um, well of course of course it does but not you know in, in a practical sense so um, you know I, I, I some of my conversations with the more um, obnoxious Catholics uh, that I've found um, have been along the lines of, uh, oh, I don't know. Just, I, well, I, I must have blocked them out. Um, but it, it, it really is a pet peeve of mine when the first question that I'm asked by some of my friends is, well, when was the last time you went to spiritual direction or confession? I'm like, it's, it's not my soul that we're talking about here. Yeah. It's, it's my, yeah. it's my mind. So let's just keep it in that realm if you don't mind. Yeah. It's funny that, um, uh, uh, I was thinking about the, um, you know, somebody was talking, we were talking about a book study, a different book study, um, about how, you know, Bishop Sheen talked about, you know, psychology and therapy back in the fifties and sixties. So, um, you know, he was very much aware of that. And um, it reminded me of, um, one of the things is, you know, back to the Catholic thing is we think that, um, I think, we think that um, there's always going to be, a, there might be spiritual benefit to psychological suffering in some cases. So, um, or I mean, that might be a misunderstanding, right? And Bishop Sis, actually, was, he was, I think it was Monsignor Sis at the time, he'd been talking about actually exorcism. And he was saying that um, one of the things to do with exorcism is they, uh, they make sure there's no psychological problems um, before, because some things that in the past would have been considered a, you know, or would have been considered, you know, demonic, that, you know, they would now, now they're psychosis. like, psychosis. Yeah, now they're like psychosis or it's mm -hmm. um, schizophrenia or it could be any of a number of things, mm -hmm. right? And he's, uh, he's, he said very plainly, there's no, there's no spiritual benefit, there's no spiritual reason to not be healed psychologically. So there's no mm -hmm. spiritual reason. Mm -hmm. The same way that, like, there's no reason for you. You wouldn't tell your priest, well, I busted my foot, but, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I might as well suffer because it's going to be good for me spiritually. Like, you wouldn't say that. So No, it's actually you, contrary. It, it, yeah, you, so why would you, yeah. in the same way, right, you're not going to go, well, I should stay in depression because it's probably better for my soul for me to be depressed, which is actually, the, you know, the... Get um, out the whip. And... When you think of... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Somebody was talking about Saint Irenaeus saying, uh, "Oh, that was uh, uh, Father um, uh, Father James Misco the other night at uh, our YCP said, you know, about Saint Irenaeus said that you know the the um, glory of God is a, uh, the human fully uh, fully alive, mm -hmm. right? So to be fully alive and fully functional, I mean, that's God's desire for us. It's not, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, there there are different things like Dark Knight, the soul, spiritual dry spells, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that." Um, you know, our, our, our goal doesn't need to be to sit in depression or anxiety, mm -hmm. um, ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. So, no. um, yeah, yeah, it's, it really is about, and <clears throat> you know, 
whether or not I end up becoming a, a professional counselor or therapist, what I've learned being on both sides on the couch and then the one, um, you know, doing the therapy is that it, it, it's as simple as developing a toolbox. Very, very small things that you can do that have been solidly crafted in your okay moments so that you can use them when you stumble a little bit. Um, you know, unfortunately for me, aside from medication, I have been very sporadically in and out of psychotherapy. Um, I've never had a Catholic therapist. Um, actually, I'm really excited. Um, in a couple of weeks, I finally bit the bullet and decided to, um, to find a, <clears throat> a Catholic... A therapist who subscribes to the thought of Carl Jung, who I'm a huge fan of Jung. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think everyone wears a mask um, to some extent, and you have the true self and the false self. And I think that resonates with me because I don't feel like my true self when I'm anxious and depressed. You yeah. know, I, it's a very bifurcated, um, not quite Jekyll Hyde, um, but, you know, Anxious Octavia isolates because I'm going to stop with the third person, but when I'm anxious, I isolate because I would rather my friends and loved ones remember me as my usual relatively chipper, sardonic self yeah. um, and keep those memories than for me to actually be vulnerable in front of someone else. And then, of course, you know, that wonderful um, Lewis quote from the four loves to love it all is to be vulnerable. So yeah. each time I slip into a depression um, and they unfortunately have just gotten worse as the years have gone on, um, you know, I'm, I'm quote unquote protecting myself and I'm protecting my heart so that it doesn't get hurt by judgment or other people's opinions or whatever. Um, if I were to venture out in public you know, but at some point, and it's the same feeling each each time it happens, I just feel like I can't breathe anymore. I'm yeah. just suffocating. Um, and the thing about it, at some level, it's self-created. So that that's the controversial part of it that I know some people might um, take issue with. Um, because every time I've come out of my depression, yes, I, maybe I get on a new medication or I adjust my dosage. But at some point, you know... I get up in the morning and I choose that day to be vulnerable, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, and then I get out of bed and I thank God for everyone, take a shower and I venture out and just see what the day brings. And more often than not, you know, it's not perfect. It's not that I'm bounding with energy and joy, but within a couple of weeks, I'm feeling right as rain again. Um, so for me, what, what hopefully when I, you know, look at my watch and spring 2020 is around the corner instead of sticking my head in the sand and having an attitude of learned helplessness and oh woe is me that I have this condition that's not a first world problem it really is not yeah um although some people might say that depression is very low in developing countries but anyway that's another topic um you know how can I in the spirit of I think it's Lao Tzu said in times of peace, prepare for war. Yeah. When I go to war with myself, uh, I better have some weapons. Um, the, the good kind. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. So, yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about your family. Uh, mm -hmm. so there's something unique. Well, fairly unique that they do. Well, uh, you all do. Um, 
uh, around Christmas. You guys have a big Christmas party. And yeah. I'm gonna, number one that I like it is you guys do it near Christmas. Because most people do their Christmas parties like early December. They're like, oh, well, everybody's going to be busy. It's like, don't assume that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's great. Like, bring in the orphans. There's there's plenty of orphans in Austin who mm -hmm. don't go home for Christmas. So having it very near Christmas is good. But also that you do an old school um, Christmas caroling. Yes. And like, um, uh, so yeah, so at a certain point in the night, everybody gets uh, together in the one room and you have uh, somebody play the piano. And it feels very... Um, uh, it's wonderful lifey or, uh, oh, wow. uh, feels very much like, yeah, uh, a, uh, um, Jimmy Stewart type of thing. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm so, like tearing up but, over uh, here. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll, I'll definitely tell that to my mom because it, she is the driver and usually my brother and my dad and I are like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Each year we're like <laughs> dreading, not dreading the singing itself, but like corralling the guests. Like, yeah. okay, Jiminy Cricket, let's, you know, <laughs> let's start singing. Um, you know, quick, chug that vodka. Um, no, but that is, I, I remember yeah. one year you were leading the singing. I'm like, okay, Octavia's, Octavia's awesome. Like, I, that's what I decided you're awesome, was oh. leading the caroling. Um, <laughs> but it goes to a bigger thing of, like, the way the model of the family and the church, like, um, even, t you know, today we still keep track of parishes by how many families are, are in the parish, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the idea that a family should be a building block of society and not, um, honestly, the way I see some people model of a family is basically as an isolated castle. Um, that basically, we go home at night, we brought, pull up the drawbridge, and pretty much everybody outside the castle is uh, on their own. Mm -hmm. um, so I like the um, I like the model where like you're you're drawing people in, and it's it's meant as like a, a place where people like to gather, not as a place mm -hmm. to like, not as a way to be isolated. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's been going for... I think 14 years now. Of course, when my mother did it in high school, I was mortified, um, you know, <laughs> for various reasons. Uh, and then slowly as I got more comfortable in my own skin and had my own friends um, over the years, it was a really nice way. So we call it the night before the night before Christmas. It's on December 23rd, what, whatever day of the week that falls on. Yeah. Um, and we usually get a turnout of, you know, sometimes it even is upwards of 200 people at uh, the villa here. Um, but it, you know, the, I think for, for my mother specifically, both my parents are from Transylvania, you know, they didn't have Christmas parties in a communist country, you know, yeah. it just wasn't done. Um, so I think my, my mother's dream for when she had a family, um, she did not come from your typical nuclear family raised by her grandmother, um, and random gypsies of the market, um, she, I think this is her, um, the culmination of her efforts as a working professional mother, um, who still has time to do domestic goddess things like put on an amazing Christmas party. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, there, there used to be this, uh, crunchy conservative blog called Front Porch Republic. Mm -hmm. And their, their point was very similar, of course, you know, focus on the family and all that stuff. But they said, you know, the front porch both literal and metaphorical in America has disappeared. People hang out in their backyards. You know, you don't yeah. want to see your annoying neighbor, Susan, like, okay, bye, you know, see you next year. Um, you know, and, and I think for my family, especially having been, having been living in Austin since 1986, uh, you know, my mom has her bridge friends and her professional colleagues and, you know, orphan grad students who can't afford to go home to see their families, you know, who, um, 
you know, who just want a home away from home. So I think, I think you're absolutely right that, um, we live in a very radically individualistic culture. Um, I come from a collectivist culture. So, you know, um, I am a 30 year old woman and I'm living with my parents, you know, and that's an okay, that's an okay thing for us. It's still, um, you know, it's, you don't have to, you don't have to strike out on your own, me against the world, and and do that to be a fully functioning member of society. Yeah. Um, so, but I I think the the greater point I'm trying to make is that there's still a lot more work to be done. Um, and I I'm not equipped to you know get in a policy debate or anything, but um, it it's. It, for us to revitalize the a healthier notion of the family, it has to be a grassroots thing. It can't be top down. Yeah, it doesn't matter what laws are passed, you know. Um, and families look different, you know. Um, I sort of have my own views um, that you know outside the church's notions of like what makes a family a family. That's just kind of how my life experience has been, um, and it's people who. You know, two people come together and they want to form a team and that involves trust and friendship and respect and honor. Uh, And then children, they want to add, they want to have teammates, you know. Um, Well, and also the, um, uh, it's funny because the the first person I heard talk a lot about this was uh, uh, Kurt Vonnegut Mm -hmm. uh, talked about the need for, that the nuclear family was very unstable. Mm-hmm. And that we used to have multi generational families um, that were way more stable, um, and you used mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, that you needed um, aunts and uncles and grandparents mm-hmm. around to help form kids. Um, that it's not um, that the idea of just a uh, of just two parents was um, that hadn't been the model for most yeah, of it was human, bizarre most of human society yeah, and somehow we bought into it, um, uh, and that yeah, it was a um, and it's funny. It was funny coming from Kurt Vonnegut, but right. Um, did I say um, Ray Vonnegut earlier? Oh, I don't know if you did. I said Vonnegut. I thought you said Rave. Actually, sorry. I might have. <laughs> <laughs> I realized. I was like, oh my gosh, did I just get his name wrong? Oh, Kurt. Yeah, Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. Oh, I totally called oh, him. Okay. Anyway, it's, it's, fine. it's okay. Well, I, don't edit it out. I would edit it out if I had the energy, but I'm, I'm imperfect. It's yeah, <laughs> totally fine. So, but yeah. Well, cool. All right. Well, um, well, great. I'll well, see. We, there was a huge amount of stuff to to discuss, and we yeah. didn't get that deep into your parents. They, they no, whole, we didn't. They have whole sorts of stories. They, they oh yeah, so, yeah we can, they, they we are, get into. So but. their character can't live with them. Can't live without them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Folks. All right. Well, cool. Well, it's good. Good having you on the show. Yeah. And, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Sure. All right. Well, we're gonna take a break. Okay, folks. That's it for this week. I'd like to thank my good friend Octavia for sharing some of her thoughts and her life experiences. And thanks to my co-host Sam Higgins and my announcer Bridget Predell. And thank you all for spending some time with us in our walk with God. This is Joe Geisler saying good night and God bless from Austin, Texas. Those people, 